Lamella. Lovely cushion header. Pajero! Um, so, for me, this is um, episode number five for Coaches Don't Play podcast. I'm joined uh, by Mitch Fitzpatrick of the Halftime Community podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, mate. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, as someone who I'm from, I'm from England, and basketball isn't isn't the main sport over here. I've only just getting into it. Um, but I think I think sort of use this podcast for you to sort of uh, not teach me as such, but to sort of uh, show me the uh, the ropes and just talk about stuff that's going on in the NBA. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I start off. Um, so do so you do you, do you have a a team that you uh, support? You know, I know I'm kind of a fan of the league as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, the city where I'm from, Kansas City, Missouri, originally, and now I live in St. Louis, Missouri, um, for the United States listeners. We've never had a NBA team. Yeah. Well, they did, but that was far before my time. So since I've been growing up, I just really love the game. Um, so I more followed players, and then as the players move around a lot more, um, it's become more of a players' league, I would say. Yeah. That makes sense, because there's not been one sort of uh, team you can sort of... Um you can go to yeah exactly yeah um i've i know in i know in america i know that that college and like university um sport is compared to england that is a whole different world i know because um from when i if i play for my college uh college football team or soccer um it's quite quite small but what i've seen over there it's it's massive it's like televised and there's so many like there's so many fans um yeah what is the what is the do you why why is that yeah i think it's just a lot of it is just loyalty regional loyalty and then obviously as you mentioned um with the rise of espn and televising all the games it used to be, you know, just the big market games were on TV. So yeah. you'd have your big conferences like the Big 12, Big East, SEC, college basketball would be on TV. And they'd have one or two games a week, probably on Saturday or Sunday or yeah. maybe on Monday night. And that now it's gotten to the point where no matter what college you really follow, even if it's a tiny college and a tiny conference, you can find their games televised on some ESPN or Fox yeah, Sports yeah entity channel so it's it's really grown and it's just fanaticism yeah i mean as, yeah, for, for someone who's looking over from the outside it's just it's like a massive um it's just the difference is just mental because um for here you you don't really get you, you get some um like big events uh, um at school level like, like college and university where it might be um it might be a, a cup final uh for normally like rugby um or football um, over here, but it's not really like if you if I turn on like Sky Sports, I don't really see anything to do with like college and stuff. But I have I've seen um, like I've been 
just uh, on like one Saturday, Sunday, I've been watching some like there was like college uh, basketball, some college baseball, and for me, it just it's just like a world of its own. It's so weird to look at. Yeah, it's it's definitely different, and I, I could see that being an adjustment. But yeah, that I would say that's been pretty pretty recent. The rise of you know, I've, I follow Iowa State, which is kind of a smaller school. Mm-hmm. They're not small, but they're in a big conference, but they're not one of the blue blood teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can if I'm looking for an Iowa State game, I can turn on one of the ESPN channels at any time now. And usually they're on there, and that wasn't the case in the past. So no matter what team you follow, you can really watch them at some level. Did you? Uh, did you? So for sports, did you play at a high level, or were you just sort of more of a fan? No, I, I would say I'm more of a fan. I actually joined the military right out of high school, oh, yeah. so I, I didn't really take sports past high school at all. But um, I still enjoy it. Play rec leagues now and then. Haven't really this past year with COVID nineteen and everything, yeah. but. Uh, I eventually will get back into that. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, for exactly for uh, over here, like everything stopped. Obviously, the the uh, professional sports are going on, but like if I wanted to go play football, um, I know like I know a lot of um, because I've seen um, does it does it different between states with the rules that with COVID? Yeah, yeah, it's completely different depending on what part of the country you're in. So um, some states are really lax about it. Um, some states are super strict about it. It's kind of easing up now across the country a little bit, but yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, now moving on to basketball, I um, so I sort of um was looking. It was, I think it was late at night, and I was bored, and I uh, found a stream to watch some uh, some basketball. I thought I'd give it a go because um, I played I played NBA I think two K twenty um, for free when it was on Xbox, and I enjoyed it. So it's always been in the background, but um, and then I watched the, the Dallas Mavericks, um, and then I just sort of um, saw Luka Doncic, and I just sort of, I wouldn't say fell in love, but I just just loved the way he played, and I just got excited um, watching like another sport, um, and I've sort of, I want I don't wanna, I don't want to call myself a fan of uh, Dallas because I don't I feel like I don't know enough and I haven't watched enough to. Um, sort of call myself a fan because I don't want like offend actual fans of uh, of the Mavs but I, I do I do like look out for them and I follow them when I can I was going to watch the game last night but for me that was on at three in the morning mm-hmm. um, if it was if it was like a one o'clock game I might have given it a go but it is quite it's quite hard to uh, support a team from uh, from where I am uh, but I, I, I know that's for some uh, for some football fans, but for so- from soccer fans uh, over there, for them supporting a Premier League team in football, it's a lot. It's sort of the same. They've got to stay up till like early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of the same way. It's funny that you mentioned that with Premier League soccer. I go in and out on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll catch a game here and there, but I'm not super up to date on all the transfers and all that sort yeah. of thing. Um, I don't really play FIFA or any video games like that, so I can't really keep up to date with the transfers, but there's players that I like over there. I know Lukaku, I don't think he's in the Premier League anymore, but I really enjoyed mm-hmm. watching him. So it's more of, like you mentioned, you see a player that you like, yeah. uh, either in the World Cup or you just see him in the Premier League because the games are on early here. So I'll maybe catch one early in the morning. I'll see a player, I'll be like, wow, I really like the way that guy plays mm-hmm. um, soccer or football. 
Yeah. Just, um, do you, you, do you, you look at there. a team when you uh, do you sort of look out for a team in the prem? Um, you know, a few years ago, I really liked watching. Um, gosh, I can't even think of it. N- not Chelsea. Um, it had Tim Howard was the goalkeeper. Uh, Everton. Everton, yes. They had uh, Ross Barkley and Tim Howard yeah. and uh, some players I really liked watching on there. I really liked the way Ross Barkley was just kind of kind of like a point guard in basketball. He, would, he didn't know, always have to score, but he was he played the midfield really well. Yeah. He could defend a little and he could pass and kind of get everybody involved. Yeah, I, saw, I see where you're coming from now. But um, do you, um, as, um, as someone looking in, I sort of feel like most Americans would sort of go towards... American players like you said, Tim Howard, and I wouldn't be surprised if some like um, like Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, uh, I think Weston McKenney for Juventus, um, Sergio Dest for Barcelona. I I, I sort of I can understand, but uh, I know a lot of a uh, lot of English people get annoyed that um, some American might um, support like a big um, a big Premier League team. And then they call them like plastic fans and stuff like that. And I was a little worried going into basketball. I didn't want to. I didn't want to pick like, who's at, who's at the top. Well, I picked them, and because they win every week. When I when I started looking for a Dallas, I think they were, they weren't they weren't doing too good. We've been we've been uh, doing better recently, but I think they were uh, the first two games I watched they lost. But just seeing uh, like Doncic and uh, Paul Zingas, um I just I just need to. Um, Knowing the players, I need to get a little bit better at as well. Yeah, Dallas is kind of one of those teams where they have a really transcendent player, obviously, and a guy that could be, you know, an all-time player in Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. And they're he's really young still, so they're trying to build around him. Um, they're not quite ready to contend yet, I would say, for a championship, but they're definitely one of those teams looking to build for the future. And you, when you have one player like that, it can really make a difference in basketball. Yeah, I heard. Um, I saw some um, rumors. Uh, Paul Zingas might be going to Golden State. Um, some trade offers. What's that? What do you know about that? Yeah, I mean, there's some rumors around it. Um, the owner Mark Cuban kind of shot those down pretty quickly. But you you never know with those sort of things. Uh, are they just shooting it down because they don't want it to get out in the media, or yeah. are they shooting it down because there's no truth to it? Especially with the NBA nowadays, it's become so social media driven um there's so many reporters and reports and rumors out there all the time for every team really yeah. any star player um with player movement being so crazy right now um players switch teams almost every two years it seems like so there's always a rumor going around if a superstar player isn't winning at the time it's yeah. like trade rumor city all the time yeah do you um do you, do you look out for a certain player then? Do you have at the moment? Do you go this player like just this player is my favorite? Yeah, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with this current season and the player movement and everything, but um, the Brooklyn Nets and yeah. James Harden he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets I, earlier in the season. Yeah, um, that was really really contentious with NBA fans because you know as soon as a team gets three superstars on the same team, it's yeah. automatically, you know, everybody says it's not fair, mm-hmm. uh, and people start going the other way on it, like, you know, hating on it, so to speak. Yeah. But I really like James Harden. I've always liked his game, not mm-hmm. so much off the court. He's a little bit of a malcontent off the court, but yeah. on the court, just like Luka Doncic, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. he's super 
under control all the time. He's not the fastest player on the court. He's not necessarily the most skilled player on the court all the time, but he's always in control of the game. He can pass. He can shoot. He can score from anywhere. So I really like watching the Nets this year, James Harden. Um, I think it's it's always good practice when you see really good teams like that. Um, I know it's easy to hate on them because you want them to lose because they're so stacked with talent, but it's always just you want to be in the moment. Try to be in the moment and just enjoy, you know, three great players on the same team playing basketball. Yeah. I was sort of, of, um, if we're going to, like, basketball and football, I thought Nets would be sort of like the Manchester City um, because it is sort of a team that um, has a, like, it's it's different because obviously in um there's less there's less players on a team, um starting but like Manchester City have a lot of star players that people would look to and people who um who Manchester City divide a lot of opinion because people because they spend they spend like fifty fifty million pounds on the player who might not start every game and for, a, for teams lower down that is um. Stupid. Uh, but I mean, twenty years ago, if you spent fifty million pounds, you're getting the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And now, if you spend fifty mil, you might get a a decent midfielder. It's um, it's football's changing. Uh, I think I think a lot of all I think all sport is sort of changing um in their own ways. I know um, I I saw was watching a video about basketball and how um, defensively things have got gotten a lot worse. Yes and no. Um, I think a lot of that is due to the offense being so good now. It's just this: the kids that come out of high school are a million times more prepared for the next level, whether that be college or now some of the players are going overseas straight out of high school for a year and then coming to the NBA, or they're going to what's called the G League, which is like a development yeah. league, like a AAA team over um so they'll do that for a year before they're eligible for the NBA. So just coming out of high school and coming out of junior high, middle school even, kids are just so skilled. You know, it's it's really hard if you just watch basketball from the 90s. Certain players, you know, obviously Michael Jordan's really yeah. the greatest of all time. But players outside of that, just role players, it's just hard hard to compare because they wouldn't be able to cut it in today's NBA, really, with how skilled the players are. Why do you think that is because of them? Do you think that's because of um, like the players, that their role models have just got better at, like, offensively than defensively? Yeah, that that's a lot to do with it. Um, the NBA, you know, as a whole, if you just look at the stats over time, the three-point shot, you know, since it was introduced – even guys that are known as legendary shooters like Larry Bird, yeah. he re- he wasn't really shooting that many threes if you actually look at the stats. And then you've got guys today that are seven feet tall that are shooting more threes than Larry Bird ever shot in his career. So it's just the game's evolved over time. Yeah. You know, everybody can shoot now. Everybody can dribble a little bit. Um, it used to be Shaquille O'Neal, you know, the back-to-the-basket center. You give yes. it to Shaq because he's a giant human being down there, and he'll just get you a bucket. Um, There's really not players like that anymore. Joel Embiid is kind of like that, but he still shoots as well. So the game has just changed over time. Everybody can shoot. Everybody can dribble now. Would you say say change for the better, or do you you not like that approach? Yeah, honestly, I... I like I like the NBA as it is now. It's more free flowing. Um, you know, if 
whoever grabs a rebound can bring it up the court if need be. Yeah. Big guys are skilled. So, you know, it's more fun to watch for me. There are smaller things within the rules of the game that have kind of slowed the game down towards the end a little bit, like replay. I know you've they've been experimenting with that in um, soccer and yeah. football as well. So, yeah, replay is definitely something they need to work on at the end of games because it really can kill the flow of the game. Yeah. But overall, I really like the way it is now. Yeah, I mean, um, in, in, in the Prem, uh, VAR is what we call it. It's the, it's, um, divides opinion because at the, st- at the start, I was for it because um, the offsides, uh, handballs were not getting looked at. And um, for for uh, for for a fan, I, I'm a fan of Liverpool. Um, and last season we won the Premier League for the first time in twenty odd years. Um, and I, I, Liverpool are a top four club. We um, we are always up there. We have been recently, and uh, people people um, have been saying that uh, replays of you are favouring us. And um, it is people going like, oh well, the referees favour such this such team because of history, and um, even this season um, in the Prem, handball the handball issue has been like changed about four times because some some say, well, if you if it hits a certain part of the hand, it's handball, but if it hits a, this certain part of the hand, it's not handball, and it's an absolute shambles at the moment. But I see. I see because I think technology in sports is is very very new, and it's in the it's in the developing years. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like you mentioned, it's it's good to have replay um, for certain things, but it, it can definitely go too far when you're looking at you know a personal foul within the last five minutes of a basketball game for two two or three minutes on end. It just seems yeah. like ever ending. It should be you know quick. You got three guys looking at it and a replay official, you know, let's get this done really quick so we don't kill the flow of the game. Yeah, that's certainly the same um, over here. But I th- because um, when, it, when it comes to an offside, it's, um, they, they draw this line and they have to, if, if, if your toenail is offside, it is offside. And people go, well, that's absolutely stupid because it goes down to the, the tiniest of margins and it says it for the for defenders it's really unfair because you've got to be on point every single time and if you if you for a, for a split second if you don't go up or go down it's offside and they're saying that's unfair but i think but yeah sports is is um in technology it's very very new in uh, sports like uh rugby rugby and cricket where they've had it a few more years it's uh it's a lot a uh, lot easier but I know, I know rugby is not it's not massive in America, is it? No, no. Um, you know, when it's like the sevens tournament or something like that, it'll it'll be televised, it'll be on ESPN, but um, it's definitely not that popular when it comes to sports in America. Yeah, because a lot there's a like NFL and rugby sort of get compared, and um, people. Uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen Americans say it's the soft version. We have the soft version of the NFL, and then English English and uh, other Europeans say uh, NFL is a lot softer because you have like um, you have like a lot of protection, and in rugby you don't. It's it's very um, it's not you don't see it often, but like you might go on TikTok and there might be a few people debating it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I would say, you know, rugby without pads, if you see those dudes, you know, those Australian, New Zealand dudes, and even the Englishmen, you know, those giant human beings crashing into each other constantly, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely a sport I wouldn't take lightly. Yeah, it's, um, I've played, I've played rugby, I played rugby for my school, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's fun, it's a good game to play, it's very, um, it's, rugby is very, it's very respect, um, very respectful um as you you don't badmouth the ref you don't um you sort of um there's there are fights but it's very uh, after the fight you sort of shake shake each other's hand but in football football have a diving problem and that's uh, mm-hmm. it does it does uh put a lot of people off uh, like people like neymar um where they sort of they, they get touched and they go down um people people call them that's oh, pussy like what are you doing that for but then other people go well. He's gaining an unfair advantage, and it is cheating. But it does it does put a lot of people off. Um, and I know, um, the MLS um, in America is that is that getting bigger? Would you say? It's definitely gotten bigger. I can definitely say that over the past decade or so. Yeah. Um, I I'm from Kansas City, which I mentioned earlier. We had a we've had an MLS team for a long yeah. time since I've been a kid. Um, first, it was the Wizards. And they used to play in the NFL stadium in Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, where the Chiefs played. And, you know, I could go there and there'd be barely anybody there. And you could walk in whenever and it's just really cheap tickets Mm -hmm. Um, just because nobody really knew about it. Nobody was talking about it in the sports scene. But now um, these MLS teams over the past decade have started building their own independent stadiums. Mm -hmm. And the stadiums are smaller and it's they've really caught on you know yeah. the, the mls stadium in kansas city i think it holds like twenty thousand something people um but it's full all the time and they've got their you know subcultures of fans in the stands they've got certain sections like the kc cauldron and things like that so it's it's really grown fanaticism with people coming over from the premier league as well that's helped yeah i mean um isn't it sporting kansas city is the mls team yes correct yep. yes um now don't tell me if I'm. I don't. I don't know if you might know. Did 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 he a Drogba play for them? He did not play for Sporting. Um, I, yeah. I we've had some people come over, but we haven't had you know those big big international players. Like I know Rooney came over for a yeah. season. Um, Ibrahimovic obviously came over. Um, names like that, but we haven't had anybody anybody big like that. It's been more of the smaller, um, you know, South American players. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I I am getting confused because there's a there there's some um, people call like the MLS sort of like a retirement league because they pay you good wages, but I've seen um but there's a lot of um very good players that went into the MLS like um if I rattle off it like Gerard Lampard, Pirlo, Zlatan, um, Jogba, and then a lot of a lot of players that went back like um, I know like Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey. Um, <laughs> And they 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 are they are, they were very good players in their day. Like um, Clint Dempsey was very good for uh, Fulham, got them to a Europa League final, which is for a club like Fulham, yeah, massive. But um, so we are getting getting away from the point here about about basketball. But um, no, you're good. I like I like soccer and uh, American or football as well. So yeah, I, I don't keep up with it as much, mm-hmm. um, just because you know I I'm mainly American football, basketball, and baseball, but. I, I do like soccer and uh, football as well. So yeah, do you, um, do you um, I, I, 
going back to ba- uh, basketball, do you have a um, a favourite moment in the NBA? Sort of um, since from the years you've been watching it, that one moment you go to, uh, if it, like maybe you were at the game or it was just a, like a legendary moment. Yeah, I mean, I really one of my formative moments. A lot of the times, the answers for that question come from when you were a fan or when your fandom was kind of growing. So mine was. Um, one of my first memory, my first vivid memories was Tracy McGrady in Orlando when he played in Orlando. Mm-hmm. He was just a really great player. But for like a singular series or a singular moment, I remember um, 2011 NBA Finals when the Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki mm-hmm. uh, finally they beat the Miami Heat, which had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, the big three, when they all got together for the first time. And, you know, the Mavericks were not supposed to win that series. They were they had Dirk Nowitzki, but everybody else was kind of a role player. And they just really played together as a team. And yeah. Dirk Nowitzki would take the ball down the stretch. And it, it was just really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do know I, I, I know about that from researching uh, the Mavs. And um, the, but, um, would, would you say that's sort of a um, more of a, uh, a team effort than sort of so, you know, so they've got the big three, and would you say that's more of um, that helped them that that all the role players um, became sort of like one good working unit, a well-oiled machine, than just three good players. Yeah, definitely. Um, they had played together a little bit as well, and with the big three coming together, that was their first really, you know, win the championship season, yeah. and they were still feeling each other out a little bit. So, yeah. They, they, the Mavericks really knew what to do, um, and Dirk Nowitzki down the stretch when it was close games in the finals, they just gave the ball to Dirk Nowitzki, and they pretty much said, you know, get out of the way. He's either going to get fouled yeah. and make his free throws, or he's going to get a bucket, and he did. He came through for him. Yeah. Would you, would you, um, would you say uh, Luca could sort of surpass him as sort of, um, would you say a cult hero? Uh, at yeah, it, it's been interesting because um, Dirk Nowitzki, obviously, German-born player. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Luka Doncic, who I believe is Croatian. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came, they're both international players. And yeah. Dirk, they came up right when Dirk was ending his career, uh, riding off into the sunset. He pretty much passed the torch over to Luka Doncic because that was his rookie season. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting transition. And I definitely think... Luca could be that generational type NBA player. So when I say that, I mean like LeBron James Mm -hmm. almost. Um, Michael Jordan to LeBron James to Luca. He could be that kind of player. Yeah. Now that's a really tall task, obviously. And I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not predicting that, but he has the skills. He's on the trajectory right now as far as statistics, and he really cares about winning. Some people mistake that as, you know, he's a whiner because yeah. when he loses, he does get upset or he's been, you know, he's smacked the scoreboard table, things like that, yeah. thrown fits. But people, I think, mistake that as him whining, yeah. which not so much. It's more of he he legitimately wants to win every game he's out there. Yeah, but I think that's a very good um, characteristic um, because I, I know Luke, I think he went to, he was at Real Madrid before he was in the NBA. And as a as a football fan, Real Madrid are one of the they are the I would say they're one of the best teams in the world. Um, they might be the best team in the world if you depends who you ask. 
um, with their sort of their history. And I only recently found out that um, sort of like they their basketball teams were big because I know Barcelona have one, and I've seen um, I think some Turkish teams are quite good like Fenerbahce in Istanbul. Um, they have some uh, play. I know there's some players um, who go go abroad. I think then uh, one of the balls. What um, I forgot his first name. Didn't he go to Lithuania? Yeah, yeah they they kind of they're an interesting family, but yeah. um, they have three brothers. So they have Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. who was he was really good, really good college player. He was the oldest of the three. Yeah. Um, so he went to UCLA Division One college, and he played really well there and got drafted really high by the Lakers. And then after them, um, after Lonzo, I should say. They had Louis Leangelo Ball, who's kind of the one that's not, he's not on the level of the other two. Oh. Um, so they kind of forced LaMelo, which is the yeah. youngest one, who's a rookie in the NBA now mm-hmm. and is the rookie of the year by far. He's been great in the NBA so far. Is he at the Hornets? Yes, yes. He got drafted, um, who Michael Jordan owns the Hornets now. Yeah. So it's been an interesting dynamic there. Um, but he's been in, instantly good. But at the time, Leangelo wasn't going to make the NBA, the middle brother, and Lamelo was on the trajectory to make the NBA. So they kind of they went to Lithuania, played for a year, and then they came back, yeah. made their own sort of league here in the United States, which didn't go so well. And so Lamelo's been interesting out of all three. I would say he's he's played for a different team every year since he was like 15 years old. So Jesus. yeah, he's been to Lithuania already. Now he's in the NBA finally. Yeah, would you would you say he has the highest ceiling, like the highest sort of um, potential? Yeah, I, I've I really like Lonzo coming out of college, but um, there was this one game in the NCAA, the college tournament here, mm-hmm. where Lonzo Ball, his team was really highly ranked. They went against a really highly ranked Kentucky team, which had another point guard prospect named De'Aaron Fox. I don't know if you're film, familiar with him at all. He's in the NBA now. Yeah. 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 He's a good point guard in the NBA now as well, but they went up against each other. It was a really hyped matchup. Um, everybody expected Lonzo to win, yeah. but De'Aaron Fox just totally dominated him. He picked him up on defense from full court, and Lonzo Ball couldn't do anything. And from there, from then, I was just like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to take a yeah. step back. I don't, I don't know if this guy's gonna be you know the next magic johnson which some people were calling him to be that's a big that's a big ask as well yeah but Lamelo ball i've been huge on from the very beginning um part of that being just because of his journey to the nba you know he went to lithuania he's played on all these different teams already he he's been perfect he went to um australia australian league last year Mm -hmm. so He's been professional everywhere he's gone. He's basically been a pro since he was 15 years old. Yeah. And, you know, he just knows what to do. He he really has that. There's the intangible. I'm sure you see this a lot in football as well. Um, intangible skill set from, from like a mid, midfielder, so to yeah. speak, where you just get them the ball and they, they can see the entire field mm-hmm. no matter where they're from. They just see plays before they happen. LaMelo Ball definitely has that. Yeah. Um, you know, he grabs a rebound, and you're just waiting for something exciting to happen. So, uh, I definitely think Lamelo Ball is the best out of all three. Yeah, I mean, I've seen. I um, I know where you're coming from. That sort of that player who, as soon as he picks up the ball, you just you just sort of stand up on your feet. You think there's something's that happen. Um, in football, there's like a lot of players like that. I mean, like 
in football, for me, I mean, they get onto this in a bit, uh, the greatest of all time. Um, I, I believe in football, the greatest of all time is Lionel Messi. I think, I think Ronaldo, Ronaldo is second, but um, there are obviously there have been players before him, but Messi is the greatest of all time. But would you say, I think you said it earlier, I think there's been the uh, the goat debate of uh, Jordan and LeBron. Who is it? Who is it for you? Or was there was there another one? I, I'm going Jordan for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is going to be debated to the end of time yeah. with Jordan and LeBron. Some people like to throw other people in there, but between between Jordan and LeBron, it has to be between Jordan and LeBron. Some people throw Bill Russell in there mm-hmm. because he had he won 11 championships. Um, very early on in the NBA, which I think is fair, you know, winning, winning obviously matters, but skills wise, taking everything to account, the eras they played in, um, Jordan and LeBron definitely one and two for me. Um, LeBron could get there. You know, he seems to be a robot because he's 36 year old, 36 years old and still playing. And yeah, he's in the MVP conversation every year. He just won a title again last year. Um, he's, a front runner to be in the title conversation and MVP conversation again this year. So we'll see. Maybe he plays till he's 44, 45 years old and picks up a bunch more rings along the way. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, it's got to be Jordan. 6-0 and in the finals. Totally dominated on the offensive and defensive end. Um, you know, people like to bring up, you know, he didn't shoot from the outside like LeBron does. That's just the era they played in. They didn't yes, shoot yeah. from three. Yeah, I believe if Jordan played in today's era, he'd be shooting more threes. He'd be doing just fine. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because I see, um, I do hear like um, a lot of debates about uh, sort of the people who are like, like you said, Russell, um, like Walt Chamberlain, Elbow uh, J- uh, Jabbar, um, Larry Bird. Um, who do you think who is third for you? So would you go? Would you go Jordan, LeBron? Who is that final? Like just misses the cut. That's where it gets really interesting because the, the names you mentioned, um, I would say it's between Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Magic Johnson. Um, some people throw Kobe in there. Yeah, I, I don't disrespect Kobe in the least. I never, you know, but I never, I never felt like Kobe was. I know a lot of people have done this after his death. Is kind of throw him up there, and yeah. I, I trying to take that out of it. Obviously, it's a tragedy, but yeah, I wouldn't put Kobe Bryant on. Respectful. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And you've got to realize that. So I do, I do understand that people. Um, I mean, a lot of people say like they should change the logo. Um, I've they've seen um, a lot of debates how he should be. He should be up there. But um, he was obviously a fantastic player. But do you, do you personally think that some people do sort of throw him up there because of sadly what happened earlier? Last yeah, year? yeah. I mean, he's a he's a great player, and he always will be. But I grew up like pretty much in that era from when Kobe started in the NBA till, you know, his retirement, I kind of watched it all. I never felt like, you know, in the moment Kobe is the, on the pantheon of five best players of all time. He's really good and really great for his era. Obviously a first ballot hall of famer and he's got five rings, but he, I just never felt like, you know, he's on the level of LeBron or Jordan. Mm -hmm. Would you, so going back to the uh, question, I know didn't, Tell me if it, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, try, I'm trying to get my facts right. Didn't Wilt Chamberlain is the was the only player to get a hundred points in a game? Yeah, um, this is way before 
games were televised and yeah, everything yeah. was in black and white. So, but yeah, that's that's there's some legendary stories about Wilt Chamberlain and then Bill Russell as well played in the same era as Wilt Chamberlain. Um, so yeah, there's some legendary stories and you know Bill Russell was a great defensive player, not so much offensive player like Wilt Chamberlain was. Yeah. Um, but Bill Russell was like an all-timer defensive player from all accounts, and you know there's crazy stories about him chasing a guy down from half court and like five strides and just, you know, blocking him at the rim. But it's hard because, you know, there's no there's no video of no, all this stuff. Do you have to take a pinch of salt because of the era they played in? Yeah, exactly. And, and there's only eight teams for a lot of their era. So, you know, a lot of the stars got grouped together on the same team and you only had to beat seven other teams. So it's it's just completely different. It's, it's really hard to compare them. Yeah. Um, so with knowing all those facts... Can you can you safely say? Um, would you who would you say is third then out of that three out of that top three? I, I would put Wilt Chamberlain at number three and B- Bill Russell probably at four, and then I'd go you know Magic Johnson or Magic Johnson Larry Bird right after them. Yeah, okay, I think that's, I think that's. I mean, no, I don't think no, they will not get a time where someone will hundred percent agree with you because there's always people who go like, well, I think. Larry Bird should be third, and I think I think LeBron should be first, and I don't think you I don't think you'll ever get sorted. Yeah, it's interesting. I think with like the great players, it's it of course eras play into it, but it's almost better to just put them into tiers. Yeah. So you know you have your your top tier for me would be LeBron and Jordan, and then um, after that I'd probably put. Walt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, all in that next tier. And then after that, it just kind of keeps going. Yeah, yeah. Um, with sort of like the all-time uh, thing, what is your uh, all-time team? So you, if I would give you a, uh, a fresh fresh NBA team, uh, new team into the league, you are the, you are the uh, coach, head coach, and um, I'll go to you. So you can pick... Any player from any time, any history, pick your whole team, your bench, everything you want. Who would be your sort of starting team? Um, starters, point guard, I would have to go with Magic Johnson for sure. Mm-hmm. He, he's the kind of player who doesn't – he's not necessarily a scorer. He yeah. can score, but um, he was never an outside shooter by any stretch of the imagination. But he can totally run an offense. He can play defense. He can rebound. Um, so he's going to be that facilitator from the point guard. Um, shooting guard, Matt, it's got to be Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah. No other no other pick there for me. No need explanation uh, for that. Yeah, no, no explanation needed. Uh, small forward, this is tough. I would, I would classify LeBron James as a small forward, I think, in his prime. Yeah. So I'll go, I'll go LeBron there. A lot of the same things as Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. They can obviously score. Same with LeBron. He can score from anywhere. Yeah. Um, he's become a little bit of a bet- better outside shooter as his career has gone on. But he can play defense. He can crank up the defense when needed. Um, power forward. Ooh, this one is really tough. I'd, I'd like to put Larry Bird in there, but he's more of a small forward, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with an interesting pick here. Um Let's go with Dennis Rodman. He's one of Dennis my favorite. He, he's yeah. he's a character, isn't he? 
Yeah, he's he's one of my favorites. I know he's not better than you know a lot of the players I skipped over there, um, yeah. but he's just a personal favorite. He's he doesn't need to score. I think we've got enough scoring with LeBron and Michael Jordan already. He offers, he offers a lot more than what. Yeah, yeah, he's he's crazy. Obviously, if you know anything about yes. Dennis Rodman, he'll he's not afraid to scrap or dive on the floor. All those sort of things that you need for a great team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen. I mean, he he's friends with Kim Jong Un, and if you if you say that to anyone, it, he's he's a different character. Like I've seen I was, when I was watching the um, the, uh, the 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 Bulls or the Michael Michael Jordan documentary, however you want to look at it. Um, that's sort of when I first when I first watched that. I sort of uh, so it would say it sort of got me into basketball, to sort of start off with because I sort of watched it and I um I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a very good documentary, but I feel like it's um. It, it it portrayed um, Jordan to be better than what he was than some. That's what I've heard from some people say from because apparently he had a uh, he he had a gambling problem, and um, some people said um, so there's a conspiracy theory about how the reason why he left ba- uh, basketball is because he got he got actually got banned because of a gambling. But that's obviously a whole different topic. Yeah, that's an interesting um, discussion. The- what you brought up there is totally true. It was obviously slanted towards Jordan. Yeah. And the reason for that being he wasn't going to be involved with anything like this unless he had total say-so yes, on yeah. what got put out. Um, so I think for what they had, they really got the most out of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, they got some good mo- moments from Jordan in there. And being in America, you know, Michael Jordan's like, you know, he's one of the greatest athletes of all time and he's oh, still yes. with us. But you never really hear from him. You know, he doesn't really speak out. You hear from him, obviously, when something tragic happens, like Kobe Bryant dies, he's at yeah. the funeral. Mm-hmm. So, but he's he's a pretty private person for the most part, even though he owns the Charlotte Hornets. Um, yeah. So that's been interesting to actually see him on the screen and actually get some of his thoughts. Yeah. What What did you What did you think of the documentary? Did you uh, Did you enjoy it or? Well, I loved it. I'm I'm. I was a big Michael Jordan fan already, so I was I was gonna love it regardless. I love Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen, that whole you know '90s Bulls teams. I love all those guys, so um, I was gonna love it regardless. But I think it was a really great documentary. It it kind of it, it petered out a little bit towards the end. They they really had me in the first couple episodes, yeah. first like middle episodes. I would say were the best, and then you know petered out a little towards the end, but. I, I really enjoyed it, getting some introspection from not only Michael Jordan but the players around him. Yeah, I've, I I really enjoyed it. I think it's very interesting looking. There's a lot of great stories. Um, so I think two from two different ends. Um, the one story I loved was um, Dennis Rodman. He, uh, he he left for like a two-day bender. He went to Las Vegas. Um, and then the other side of the story was uh, Steve Kerr and his sort of journey to the NBA and what happened with his dad and stuff like that. I thought I thought it was very uh, really good put together and obviously like you said it did sort of peter out at the end, but I did I really didn't uh, did enjoy it. it. Sort of got me got me into basketball, and I thought oh I could actually get into this and sort of the um, their sort of rivalries with um, like the Jazz and the Pistons and sort of like when Rodman was um, Rodman I think I want to say Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, pat myself on the back for remembering that. Um, yeah. Um, and obviously, like not shaking his hand, and obviously the dream team. And so you, could, I, I can keep on going on. 
so many great moments. But um, what what was your sort of favourite moment from the documentary? The sort of one thing that stood out was sort of like you, like you always go look towards. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's pretty easy for me actually. The there was an I think it was maybe episode four. It was one of the middle episodes where at the very end, Michael Jordan was he was just talking. They asked him, um, you know what kind of i can't remember exactly what the question was but mm-hmm. the, it, it was around the lines of does he care what people think about him because the big thing with michael jordan is he's a competitor just like Co- kobe you know people say mamba mentality for kobe yes, yes. he kind of took that a lot from michael jordan and you know he he was an a-hole to the to the players around him oh, he yeah. just was um you know you either got with him and you wanted to win and you got on the train and you did everything you could to win, which sometimes meant, you know, if you didn't get back on defense or you threw the ball out of bounds or you weren't playing to your potential, you know, he was going to get after you. He was yeah. going to try to get the most out of you. Out of you. He was so good. Yeah, exactly. And that's why those teams were so good as well. You know, they weren't the most talented teams ever. Some of the teams were really good. The one with, you know, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen. Mm-hmm. Um, but – you know, he, they asked him about that, and he started talking, and he actually started to choke up a little bit because it was so emotional for him. You know, just thinking about how many people, all the players around him, just you know, they thought he was an a hole, and it bothered him. Yeah. But he knew, he knew he had to be that person. Yeah, but I mean, that sort of thing he sacrificed. Um, people like him to, to do you want to win because he. Although he put, he did push a lot of people, and um, some people, some people took it the wrong way. Some people like that sort of thing, getting pushed, but other people need an arm around the shoulder. And like, there's this story about I think didn't he didn't he punch Steve Kerr during a um, yeah during the training yeah there was, training. There was a practice where he, he punched Steve Kerr. It went too far. Steve Kerr kind of played it off in the documentary. You know, he was mad about it. He he didn't necessarily say it was okay or anything like that, but. You know, he said eventually they made up. Yeah, I mean, is it? But he, for me, uh, for me looking in, I, I, I think uh, Jordan is uh, the greatest of all time for what he, for what he is and what he. I mean, I heard so someone said this. He said um, he left basketball, came back, and he was still the best, which is something like it's sort of mental to think, really. Yeah, he he's the. He was the kind of player that he could leave and go try to play baseball and then come back. You know, you mentioned the conspiracy theory earlier. They shot yeah. that down in the documentary, but we'll never really know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not surprised as well because, like you said, um, um, he was sort of in control what what put out. So if, if something made him look bad, then he sort of wouldn't have it in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, going back to sort of like the NBA now, do you have... Um, do you have a favourite game this season? Sort of a, a game that sort of um, not you look back on, but sort of a game you uh, you watched or you sort of missed, but there were so many good moments in it. Like this, this, just this season. Yeah, there was one. Um, there's so many games every night; it's hard to keep up. But um, there was one I caught right in the fourth quarter. It was uh, Portland Trailblazers and the Philadelphia 76ers. And they're they're two pretty good teams this year. Dame Lillard is probably the cl- most clutch player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, 
you know what Portland's going to do. They're going to hand the ball to Dame Lillard, and he, he's going to shoot a three from the logo or somewhere really deep. So, yeah. And Ben Simmons from the Sixers, probably the leading defensive player of the year candidate, mm-hmm. was picking him up at half court, and he was doing a good job. He was in his, in his face. He was doing everything he could. But Dame Lillard was just, you know, hitting shots, hitting yeah. crazy shots. So any any game like that that has that flow at the end of the game where it's not interrupted by a bunch of fouls or oh, yeah. you know, a bunch of replays, that's what makes the NBA great to me. Yeah. So, so do you, would you prefer a um, sort of a high-scoring, free-flowing game or more more of a tactical game more of like where you can sort of um, – because me personally, I'm sort of um, very 50-50 because in football – in the, especially in the Prem, sort of the main, uh, the Premier League or the Championship, just the, the league below that, the sort of the main two leagues I watch. There, there's very, there's sort of, there's sort of three sort of ways you can go about it. You can either go very defensively on counter attack. Um, you can either go sort of fifty fifty, where you sort of see how the game plays out. See if, if like, are you getting, are you get, are you on the referee side? Is 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 things going for you? Are the ball dropping for you? Or you get very good tactically um, passing and fluid teams. Um, for for example, Liverpool and uh, Manchester City are is that team where you watch it and you sort of this is why you enjoy football. It's very quick. It's very good passing, good tacking. But then you get a team like Burnley, who play in football. The four four two formation is sort of a um, sort of a old old English style rugged sort of a long ball to two massive strikers sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- would you say you prefer that sort of free, free, uh, free-flowing game or are you more of a... You, can, you, uh, it, can you sort of enjoy a tactical um, game? Yeah, for the most part, when it comes to the regular season, it's definitely I prefer free-flowing. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about the NBA is there's kind of tiers of teams that are contenders and teams that are not. So when you get to the playoffs, that's when the tactics really come in. Um, The last five minutes of a game, what lineup, it might not necessarily be the best five players on the court at the same time, but what is your best crunch time lineup as far as offense, defense, Mm -hmm. guys that have been there before, um, guys that aren't afraid to take a shot, all those sorts of things. So yeah, those, that's what's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I sort of, I see, um, I see where you're coming from there because when in, in football it's um the last last ten minutes of a game, um so like the 80th minute, sort of managers sort of either do two things they either might bring on another centre back another defender to sort of see out the game or they might go for it they might put an attacker on and it's, it is interesting to see and in in Premier League it it does keep on getting better new coaches with different styles come in um, and it sort of changes up the league. Um, so they might bring a new formation in. Um, but with, with coaches and sort of a, a little segue, who is the, uh, who's, the great, who's the greatest coach in the NBA now and all time for you? They, they might actually be the same person for me. Um, part of that, i got to mention, is because I wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not that old, so I can't, I can't speak to, you know, obviously there's books written and you can watch a lot of the older games, but it really helps to actually see the coaches doing their thing. So for me, I would say it's one and the same. Greg Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs. Mm -hmm. 
he's been so consistent for so many years now. And even this year, they weren't expected to do anything. They, they weren't even supposed to be a playoff team. They've got a bunch of veterans that are getting paid too much money yeah. um, and they're way past their primes. But somehow they're right in the middle of the Western Conference playoff race. And I think a lot of that is due to the coaching, so yeah. the day-to-day coaching, and just the culture that he's put in there. Yeah. Is, um, would you say culture is a big thing in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, it's harder now just because coaches and players move around so much. Yeah, like you, you know? said, like, players move from, like, two teams. Uh, yeah, it's, team and it's the same with coaches. So, like, if a coach, um, I'll just use Brett Brown from the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, by all accounts, he wasn't a great coach. But, you know, a coach like that really doesn't have a huge chance to put in an infrastructure. And I'll use Steve Nash in Brooklyn this year. If things go sideways in Brooklyn for whatever reason, they're doing really well right now. But if they don't get it done in the playoffs, they look really bad in the playoffs or they choke coming down the stretch. Um, you know, Steve Nash might not have a chance to coach this team again. That's yeah. how crazy things can be. Yeah. I mean, in, um, in, in, in football, if you have, I mean, if you lose six, seven, eight games in a row, you lose your job. You, um, like, in, there's a lot, there's a, it dep- It sort of depends on the owner and sort of the clubs. Um, a team, I use Watford um, as an example. They're a small team. They're a small team in Luton. And um, uh, they, uh, their sort of style is they, if they're doing bad, they could have three, four coaches in a year, in a season. Um, but a team, a team like Liverpool, uh, my team, we brought in um, we brought in the manager called Jurgen Klopp from uh, Borussia mm-hmm. Dortmund. Um, he's German and he has a uh, he has a style called called the Gegen Press, where this is this might go over your head, but it's just it's just trying trying to sort of explain it as someone who doesn't watch football. But it's high pressing, really. So the front three players press the defense to make to force mistakes, and um, he he has. Um, came into Liverpool four five years ago and he's installed a sort of uh, way of thinking. Like last year we, we got called the mentality monsters because even if we're it's one one or one nil down, we still play the same way, we have the same intensity. And the um the sort of uh, the style we have sort of um changes a player as in their career. They sort of um installed that and they have that sort of um Sort of in their locker, they know how to play that certain way, and uh, sometimes it's hard uh, for players coming from different teams. If you come from a defensive-minded team into an attacking, it might take you a few games, or it might take you a few months to sort of uh, change that sort of um, that sort of uh, mentality in your head. But I think in um, in, ba- in basketball, is there sort of that um, big difference? Do you see do you see those players um, going from uh, team to team? Um, and sort of struggling because they can't really adapt to the style or is it sort of similar it's not so much the style I would say it's more of the fit with the other players on the court Mm -hmm. so you could be a player on a bad team that scores 30 points a game or you know has really crazy scoring numbers and then all of a sudden you think you know I want to go somewhere else I want to be with another superstar so I can spread the love a little bit and maybe win a championship and they get there, and they either can't adjust to that, yeah. they're not ready to give up the ball, or 
the players just don't mesh together on the court for whatever reason. So it's not, I would say coaching is not as big of a deal over in the NBA unless they're able to create that infrastructure. Like I mentioned with Greg Popovich, yeah. you know, he's earned that respect. So he's never getting fired. He has the job until he wants to retire. Mm-hmm. But a lot of coaches don't have that luxury. They yeah. can't say, well, um, I know I'm going to be terrible this year and maybe not be so good next year, but I'm putting an infrastructure in place. And instead, it's just a revolving door of coaches. I'll th- I think of a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. They're just, they've just been bad ever since Kevin Garnett left. They've been horrible. And yeah. it's just a revolving door of coaches because every coach that gets in there has a year or two. And if they don't get to the playoffs within that year or two, it's, it's over. Yeah. They're sort of team. They're a sort of team like like, like a Watford. They're sort of a, if they if it's not going well, they sat in the manager and then and then the, the board will go like right. Well, I want results. I want results now. But some some clubs don't sort of realise that you need you need a a man uh, to uh, to sort of have that sort of day to day style and sort of. Um, um, Sorry, something came into my head. Um, Doc Rivers, right? He, I, for the life of me, I can't remember, but his Celtic team, they had a word that they like lived by. Is this ringing the bell? I, I don't remember a certain word. Um, I remember Tom Thibodeau, who's a head coach now as well, was also on that staff. So they were they were really defensive minded team, yeah. and they were they were definitely willing to sacrifice to win. Yeah, but I, I, I watched a, um, a a documentary on Netflix um, that had that had him on it, and he talked about this sort of um, this word and this it wasn't it wasn't a word it was a way of living, and um, their sort of um, their team sort of adopted that, and um, it was like togetherness sort of thing. But um, I, yeah, yeah, that, that that's interesting. Um, you see that. You saw that in Boston, just like you mentioned, mm-hmm. where you've got veterans that have had great success on their own, not so much winning, but they've been known as great players. So Kevin Garnett, yes. Ray Allen, um, Paul Pierce was already in Boston, but he was known as a great player in Boston, but they weren't necessarily winning championships. Mm-hmm. So they all came together um, towards the end of their career, You know, were willing to sacrifice for each other. Yeah willing to play defense on both ends of the court, so not just trying to put up points, and um, where they ultimately won championships. Yeah, because uh, there's, there's different ways of going about it. There's obviously, um, I mean, some some people say you're, uh, you're attacking your best defense, um, but then other people, other people just want, um, other people just want, in like football, they just want goals. They just want a good game. Because football, in my opinion, football is a... Um, is stuck in an identity crisis for two reasons because they don't know what business they're in. Foot, football um, football doesn't know if it's football doesn't know if it's in the sort of like the mainstream business of get, just getting money and just being a uh, an asset, or it's in the entertainment business. They they don't know at the moment because you get some some people so because at. The lower you go, I feel football, in, especially in England, uh, you can go down to, you. I can I can go down my road, ten minutes, and there's a football stadium. It's it'll, it'll hold about a thousand people, but um, it plays at a good level and in a semi-professional, and like the semi-professional scene in England is a massive part 
and even the amateur, something we call the Sunday League, it is it is um, it's not a great standard, and like anyone can anyone can play. Uh, if you've never kicked a football before, you can join a Sunday League team, and it's a massive part of football, even though it's not the uh, sort of the mainstream, because it it sort of um, it brings everyone closer. I'm just wondering, does does basketball have that sort of um, same same uh, not idea, but sort of uh, where you can sort of uh, just go there, play play a game, and it sort of uh, have have effects on on basketball as a whole. Basketball is a little bit harder, um, especially in this past year. They've literally shut down gyms and everything. Yes, but yeah. Um, yeah, so in, I know in California, which is a big state in the United States. Mm-hmm. They, they literally locked up gyms and they put blocks over, you know, basketball hoops outside so people can play pickup basketball. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, I'd just say normally pickup basketball is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So there's basketball courts, you know, at local parks or just in random places. Like yeah. in California, there's parks in Venice Beach, um, things of that nature. So and especially with media and YouTube, mm-hmm. there's literally people who... They don't play professional. They never played professional, but they're professional like pickup players, and they have a huge following. So, um, yeah, it's grassroots. It's really interesting. There's um, what's called the AAU circuit. So that is you've got your regular high school team, which is a school you go to, and you play for them. But then in the summer, where it really gets interesting and where recruiting really happens is on those AAU travel teams where they put all the kids that are really good together and they travel across the country and play against each other. Yeah. I mean in in um in something like that football it's um it's not really it's not really um like that because uh, you could you could get scouted and um if for like young is like four four to like I would say twelve maybe uh, football scouts do go to Sunday league games. They do just go to their local park and they do watch these young, young kids. And um, I mean, you hear you hear stories you, in in every sport, like in the back in the fifties, where you and your mate would be kicking the ball against against the wall, and then someone turn that come around the corner, but do uh, you look pretty good? Do you want to play? Uh, do you want to play next weekend? And then you're in the finals, and um, some of those like those weird stories um, back in the day, but. In England, like you do hear of like kids. I mean, kids aged four go into football academies until they are sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Between the ages of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Um, yeah. Do you do you have? I don't know if it's true. Do you have the loan system in the in NBA? No, we don't. I, I'm familiar with it from soccer, but um, we don't have that over here. Yeah, because yeah, cause I think I think the loan system is very is very good, but I see how. Other sports don't adopt it, but because it's um, it gives um, it gives young players good experience to play at a lower level. Uh, it might not be in the um, professional environment, but it might be semi-professional. But it will it will learn you the basics. Um, but I can see why I can see why like other um, um yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I think eventually. With the thing, the way things are going with AAU basketball and high school basketball, mm-hmm. is uh, you've actually seen it some places in America. They've done the academy system. Yeah. So it's more of a you know sports academy is where you go instead of going to regular high school. You just go to this sports academy where you play all year round. Yeah. 
and you learn the sport. Yeah, that's it's good to see that like it get this universal. Um, but could you could you think uh, a loan system could be inter- implemented into the NBA? Do you reckon it could work? I don't know. I'd have to dig more into it with the economics of everything. Yeah. Um, right now, they're using sort of a G League system, which is like a triple A. So if you're either not good enough to go to the NBA uh, quite yet or you're a developmental player um, coming out of high school or college, you'll go to the G League. But it's it's not the best feeder system in the world. So I think there's definitely improvements to be made there. Yeah. Um... Can you talk to me about the, because um, I, I hear this a lot, and it's like D1 athletes and D2. What does that mean, and how far does it go? Does Is there like a D3, D4? Because I do hear Oh, yeah, there, there's a lot. So you can go, the main ones would be D1, which is your Division One. Yeah. That's your big teams you know in college, like K- Kansas University, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. All those big teams are Division One, mm-hmm. And then you've got... I think the stat is about 1,700 scholarships are given out for D1 a year. Yeah. Um, of course, that you know you got four-year seniors and transfers and things like that. But so, so that's a pretty small pool if you think about it. Yeah, that is from I'm 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 thinking there's what millions of people who oh, go, yeah yeah try to go get into it. And 1,700 is not easily. Lot. Yeah. So you've got that, and then you've got below that Division Two which is a step down, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, some players do get drafted out of Division Two. It's rare. It's really rare. But, you know, if a player is doing really well at Division Two, they may get drafted in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Division Three, which is below that. That's, you know, even a farther step down. I don't, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that's gone from Division Three straight to the NBA. But yeah. there have been players I know that have gone Division Three and transferred up to maybe a Division One in their college career or a Division Two or gone to the G League and come up that way. So it's not it's not impossible. Yeah. And so, then yeah. Um, even below that, you've got junior colleges, which are two year where you go and get your associate's degree, and those exist mainly for the players that don't make grades in high school or they get in trouble in high school or they get arrested in college. Um, So a lot of junior college players are really talented. They have the NBA talent, but they get in trouble in college. Maybe they went to a Division I college and they got arrested or they smoked too much weed, whatever the case may be. So they get sent down and they start over at a junior college. They play for that junior college for a year or two. And then they go back to the Division One, so yeah. it's it's a really big system. Mm. Um, so, ha- so th- like you said, there hasn't been really a um, a D three D three athlete who's went from there to the NBA. But like, so let's say let's say I was a uh, div- Division three athlete playing basketball. I had a really good season. Uh, just just from like, let's say that like, halfway through the season, I really I smashed it. I was getting like 30, 40 points a game. Um, it's doing really well, and then there is there a chance to um, to enter the draft, or is there or will there be a chance? Let's say a D one sort of team will go that oh, we'll, we'll take you on next year if you if you keep that up, then there's a chance to uh, to uh, go to the NBA. Yeah, I think 
the best shot would be either going to the G League or going transferring to Division One college. Um, so it's Division Three. Even though I'm making it sound like it's you know a bunch of scrubs playing, it's really not. Yeah. There's there's so many talented. There's literally like you mentioned millions of talented high school prospects coming out every year, mm-hmm. and 1,700 scholarships get thrown out. So it's obviously there's a lot of talented players that get left out and they end up going division two division three or going overseas um so you know a player has a few routes i'd say division one would probably be if that option is available the best option other than that there are d3 players that go overseas and then come to the nba that way or some players just play overseas for their entire careers and they may make millions of dollars playing in australia or Lithuania or wherever it may be and mm-hmm. that they're happy with it yeah I mean with with the draft system it's not it's not it's not used in that it's not used in England uh, or any other European sort of European things I can think of but I I think it could it could um, it could come out um, I think it, if um, if they make a system from like uh, like there, there is a lot of an academy there are academies that are separate to football clubs where it might be um, 17, 17, 18 year olds who will be um, who will be released for something like stupid bit. You're not tall enough. Um, your your left foot is not as good as your right foot. Like blah blah blah. Um, I think maybe this this could be a system where those sort of players who get released um, from those academies can go into sort of a draft and maybe sort of teams in in the football league. So from so in the professional leagues um, in England, it'll go to it'll go to Premier League, Championship, League One, and League Two are the professional leagues, um, and it could be it could be uh, like a really good, really good youngster um, from a Prem team might be a starter for a League Two team. Um, I think that could it could work, but obviously the the draft in the, in America has been going on since well, since. Since I'm guessing since the uh, since the start of the NBA. Yeah, yeah, and the MLS over here, Major League Soccer, yeah. does have a draft as well. Um, but I think a lot of that was because it's just what we're used to in America. It's a lot easier you know, to uh, sort of get the system over. Yeah, it, it's not a big as big of a deal because we do the MLS is growing now, so they're grabbing those academy players um, that you mentioned. They're grabbing those overseas players now. So it's not as big of a deal um, as it was at the very beginning where we were kind of growing our own talent um, from those Division One colleges here in America, and then they would get drafted to the MLS. But now we're grabbing players from all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I, th- it is a, it, I think it's a good system. But um, isn't it – I do get a little bit confused. I did watch the, I did watch the draft um, this year. I think – didn't, didn't uh, Lamelo uh, – Second, I think was he second. Yeah, he was second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, or no, third. Third, third. sorry. I know. I I can't remember who. For some reason, I can't think of him and this uh, player called Toppin. Yeah, there was Obi Toppin went to the Knicks. Uh, the number one pick was Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Went to the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. and um, James Wiseman out of Memphis went to the Golden State Warriors at number two. Yeah. What? Well, how does so? Right now, right now, uh, as a as a fan, can you can you safely go like this player will be 
be number one or can you do you have a uh, sort of idea or is it a certain type of fan who looks out for that yeah i mean most fans especially the younger fans keep up with that um those draft prospects and draft boards and there's definitely a market for that Mm -hmm. but it's just so tough especially in a draft like last year's which we just talked about um there wasn't a consensus like this guy is the number one pick yeah it was more of well, these four guys could be pretty good, so you just have to do your scouting and yeah. see what your team needs, and hopefully you draft the right one. Um, so some it just varies year to year, and some years it's just like you're cursed because you got the number one pick, but there's no number one prospect. So yeah. Yeah, you're just kind of – and then some years you get the number one pick, and it's LeBron James. You just never know. Exactly, yeah. So it's a bit of a – yeah, it's just up in the air. Do you uh, – so is – for your knowledge, is there a, is there a number one pick this year, or do you, are you not sure? Yeah, I would say the consensus number one overall <clears throat> right now has to be he's a out of Oklahoma State. His name is Cade Cunningham. Yep. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but he's he's a freshman. A lot of the times, the number one picks um, they only go to Division One college for that minimum one year, so yeah. they'll play for one year and then they'll get drafted. And he's he's a freshman right now, so. He's finishing up his season. He's going to play in the NCAA tournament, and then he'll be consensus number one overall, I think. Sometimes you do get a player that rises up the dra- up the draft board late, but I don't see that happening this year. Yeah. Do uh, who who's he going to then, or who has the number one pick? That's still to be determined. Um, it's done through a lottery. Um, okay. I think right now, I'm trying to think of the worst teams in the league. It'd probably be. The Timberwolves, again, they'll be up there. Um, and, but they have a little situation with their draft pick that they drafted, that they traded away a few years ago. So if their pick is not in the top three through the lottery, they give that pick to Golden State, which would be a total disaster and yeah. horrible trade. But um, I would say Timberwolves, Detroit Pistons are up there, and Orlando Magic, maybe. They're pretty bad this year. So is it the is there, is it the worst so it's the worst teams get the highest picks? Yeah, and it's not done. Um, like I said, there's a lottery system, so the odds favor those teams that are bad. Yeah. Um, that so like if the Timberwolves were the worst team, they'd have the highest odds to get the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never guaranteed. Oh, okay. So 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 for an off chance, so like the team who came first could get the number one pick, but it's a very low chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. I, I think that's I think that is a good system because obviously if because um, obviously the worst so the worst so in sort of um, the best way possible the worst teams get better so it becomes more competitive. Yeah, that's the thought behind it. So there's 14 teams that it's called the lottery. Yeah. So there's 14 teams. The 14 worst teams record wise get thrown into that lottery, and then everything after those 14 teams is done by record. Mm-hmm. So your championship team, like the Lakers last year, they're going to draft la- last, no matter what. Yeah. Um, but those t- 14 teams that are the worst, they get thrown into the lottery because they're all pretty bad. And, you know, the worst team has the best odds to win that lottery. Yeah. But you can also trade picks. Is that right? Yeah, you can. Um, there's certain rules, like I think it's called the stipend rule, where you can't trade a first-round pick two years in a row. Um, okay. something like that. So there are some rules put in place so a team can't just tank or an owner can't just tank or just throw a bunch of picks. 
um, out the window if an owner's doing something crazy. But, um, yeah, teams trade picks all the time. Yeah. So I know, um, so it's because I know there's a, a lot of um, sort of times where don't players get draft, uh, get traded maybe on the night or maybe a few days after. Because I know, because I, because I know some people get confused because, um, I think Kobe got uh, got drafted by the Hornets, but then got traded away. And then is that some is that sort of um, a big thing, or is that only um, a couple of occasions? No, that's that's a pretty big thing. And there was even one a few years ago with uh, Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Yeah. So but that was Atlanta, uh, was it? Yeah, Atlanta Hawks. Um, they wanted Trey Young, and the Mavericks ended up trading. They drafted Trey Young, but they draft they weren't drafting him to play for the Mavericks. They were yeah. drafting him because they had a trade in place already with the Hawks for the rights to Luka Doncic and some other things Does thrown in. Does the player in. know that? Yeah, usually when they draft him, they'll call him and tell him, you know, they, it's kind of weird because they go, especially if it's a top pick like Trey Young, they'll go up on the stage and put on the Mavericks hat even though they know they're never going to play for the Mavericks. They're, yeah. they're going to the Atlanta Hawks, but... Yeah, the player knows that their rights are getting traded. Yeah. Okay. So, but um, I mean, Trey Young is is a good player. So is did um, but obviously you said like you said earlier, Luka Doncic is, could be one, that generational player. Do you so? Would you say, for example, for the Mavs, do you think that was um sort of the best thing, the best thing possible? Yeah, definitely. It was it was an interesting draft because number one, um, the number one overall pick, the Phoenix Suns had it. And their coach was actually Croatian, I believe, at the time. So everybody was thinking, you know, obviously they're going to draft Luke, Luke Don. Yeah, obviously they they love Luca, and they they got this coach for Luca, and they're going to draft Luca. But DeAndre Ayton ended up playing really well for the Arizona Wildcats um, Division One college, and he ended up rising up the draft board and took over that number one pick. And then after that, um, the Mavericks. Were had their eyes set on Luka Doncic, and fate would have it they ended up with them. That's, I mean, um, see, for for me that that's obviously good. But then I sort of say, I sort of say like I am supporting uh, Dallas for for Luka, but then I I've said I've said to myself so like when he leaves, um, that could be at the end of his career. It could be next year. We don't we don't know how it works, but. I've said to myself, like this, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a Mavs fan now. I'm going to learn because I think the, I think the worst thing possible is uh, a plastic fan, someone who, um, who will jump between team to team um, because of a player and who's sort of uh, when they lose, when they've got two two jerseys on, and as soon as they lose, take it off, got the winners on, that sort of thing. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but for someone like you, you a, um, you said you're a fan of the league. You're the just you're just you you like the game of basketball for what it is, not because of a team. Yeah, exactly. And when it comes like playoff time, I'm not necessarily rooting for one team to win over another. Um, I'm rooting for probably the best storylines. Yeah, or, the best story. Sort of yeah, just hoping we have a really good series. Really. Yeah. I mean, what? Um, I mean, we we are going for a long time. I've got a question. I've got two questions for you just to end it off. Um, what has been uh, in your in your lifetime the worst and the best series? Worst series, um, 
Worst ones are tough. There are a lot of NBA Finals series, which, for whatever reason, um, the teams just, even if it's a cl- like close series numbers-wise, like the teams are tied 3-3 three to three and it goes to a Game 7, it may be, you know, those three games that team won were blowouts and the three team the three games that the other team won were blowouts. So it wasn't really that close and you don't yeah. really know what to think. I can't think of one specifically that comes to mind for that. Um but that, that kind of situation does happen and then you get times where like the Philadelphia seventy sixers with Allen Iverson um against the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe and they were in their prime. It it just wasn't fair. It was just overmatched and Iverson played as well as he could. He even won the first game pretty much by himself. He scored like 40 something points and he just he, he went to LA and won game 1 and then after that it was just all Lakers. So yeah. series like that, there are series that get overmatched. So I'll, I'll do the Lakers versus the Nets or the Lakers versus the Sixers in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um for worst series, for best series, this one, uh, 2016, you know, when the Cleveland Cavaliers were down 3-1 to one and they came back and yeah. beat the Golden State Warriors, the games weren't necessarily the best, the all the games. Yeah, the, uh, there were some blowouts um, in that series, but when it came down to Game 7, it wasn't the prettiest game in the world, but um, the moment, you know, LeBron blocks Andre Iguodala from behind, and it's known as the block now. Um, that was a yeah. great series to watch. Yeah. Um, and just i just got one one question uh, for you personally before we leave off. Um, I asked this for all my guests. But, um, how do you want to be remembered? Ooh, that's, that's a deep one. <laughs> um, how do I want to be remembered? Yeah, that could be in, uh, could be mainstream or could just be uh, friends or family. Yeah, I would say um, never giving up, definitely working hard for what you want is something I want to, I think my friends and family know me for that, and I would definitely hope I pass that on to my friends and family as well, as, you know, it's nothing's easy, just like I'll use a podcast, for example, you're you're taping a podcast right now, Um, no offense to you, but you're not Joe Rogan, or you're not, you know, Oprah yeah, Oprah Winfrey right now, and I'm the same way. It's not like, you know, I've got millions of followers, I just turn on my podcast, and everything's good, and I'm making money. It, you know, you got to you gotta actually work at it, whether exactly. it's a hobby or whether it's you're you doing it as your job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that you have to actually put effort into, and just because it's not going great right away doesn't mean that it can't over time. You just need to find that angle. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good, mate. She's just... Like a hard worker and someone who just doesn't give up sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, mate. I mean, I've I've been I find this chat has been really interesting. It's been an hour and twenty twenty three minutes, but it feels like feels like five hours because I've I've for personally I've really enjoyed it. I, I think for someone who um doesn't really know a lot, um, I feel like I I um, sort of understood now like the draft and stuff like that. So um, it's been it's been great, mate. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Okay, um...